Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier, and this is the NL Full-Time Podcast. Hello and welcome to the NL Full-Time Podcast. As we know, last week the North and South were back, but this week it was a turn of the National League to return, and it's certainly home wasn't where the heart was because there was no home wins in the National League. They're all away wins. We'll get onto those very shortly. I'm Luke Edwards and joining me it is Tom Feeney. Hiya, Tom. Hello, mate. How are we doing? Very well, thanks. Now, Rob, Chris and Tom are all on their, uh, they're all on the holidays. They're all enjoying a bit of time away. But a man who is back, it is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Hi, good morning. Nice to see you both. And it was a very strange day in the National League. I mean, obviously, we'll look at all the, the teams that were up there last year and the favourites for this season. But what result caught your eye, first of all, Tom? I've got to say, Knox County going to Valnet and winning 5-0. What an emphatic victory that was for them. And I had a friend who was down there and he was saying that it basically was about 52% of the stadium was Knox County fans. So it was a, a really good day for them. I think the big thing for Knox is they've, over the last few years, been notoriously slow starters on the opening day. So for them to go there against a former boss in Harry Kuehl and win the way they did, I mean, top of the league, it's been a perfect day for them. Yeah, and all the goals came in the second half as well. So they, uh, they really blew them away in that second half and, and sent out a bit of a statement, didn't they? Definitely. You know, I think I think the big thing for Notts is they're, they're a team where they've got a manager who, you know, obviously came in late last season, has tried to implement this style and has really been working on that during pre-season. And to me, if they can keep Carl Roberts fit, they've got the best player in the National League. So, you know, you take a really good manager with such a good squad, you know, everyone knows they're going to be up there, but can they be that team that gains that one automatic place? It remains to be seen. Dickie, what result caught your eye? Um, what? Well- I have my eye on the on the Solihull Wrexham game mainly just just because of you know it being Wrexham's you know big bow their their, their first competitive fixture um, with such a lot of expectation around the club this season as well and obviously I think um, I, I went out yesterday morning and uh, I think passed four coaches of Wrexham fans on their way to Solihull so obviously you know there's a lot of excitement around that one as Solihull showed. Wrexham aren't going to have it all their own way this season because I think fan or opposing teams um, are going to want to, you know, try and give them a bloody nose. It was interesting comments from Phil Parkinson. He almost felt it was, um, although he was disappointed with the result, it was good to get that first game out of the way because there's been so much hype, so much build up around. He felt the players were a bit nervous as well. I mean, it'd be good for Paul Mullin to get off the mark, but... It was, yeah, I mean, again, the game got rearranged kind of during the last week because obviously because of COVID, the, the National League managed to put the two teams together. So maybe that disrupted the preparation a little bit. But I think that's the big thing now, Dickie. They've got that first game out of the way, haven't they? They have. I suppose from Phil Parkinson's point of view as a manager, you know, until you play your first competitive game, you 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 hope that you've got it right in terms of who you've signed. Um, you, you haven't really got a barometer of necessarily what the other teams in the division are like and and with respect to Phil Parkinson I know he's managed tighter but he hasn't managed in the National League before as as far as I'm aware so it's a learning exercise for him so um, yeah the the work starts now doesn't it? 
Yeah, it's, it's a good point, that Tom, isn't it? Because you've got people like Phil Brown, Phil Parkinson, Neil Ireland, so a couple of scenes ago, you don't only manage football league, and it's not as easy to think coming managing into the national league, is it? No, I think that's something that you know certain people think that well they've managed higher, so they'll go into the national league and they'll they'll breeze through it. The reality is, it is a completely different animal, really, and you know there's a certain style of play in the national league that if you try and implement kind of that football, that League One style of play into the National League. Some managers have been found out doing that. So, you know, I think I think the thing for Phil Parkinson is he's come into this with his eyes open. He knows that he's going to be having to change his style a little bit and, you know, make some adjustments. And I think that can only be a good thing because if he came in kind of going, well, I'm Wrexham manager, we're going to win the league by 30 points, they would be, you know, they would be really struggling because this is that league where, well, it is just so hard to get out of in that top spot, isn't it? Yeah, and I know Danny DeVito's thrown his weight behind the uh, the Wrexham campaign this week. I suppose the only thing we might be Phil Parkinson hoping isn't um, taxi for him before the end of the season. But um, yeah, that, that's exactly the thing that, you know, having the the, the R.R. McReynolds backing is going, I mean, we've already seen with the sponsorships they've got, it's going to pull in that kind of... Um, support isn't it you know from people in Hollywood who were intrigued by what's going on so um, as we've said before my um, not necessarily it's a concern of mine but it, it puts the players in a real goldfish bowl especially you know with this documentary going on as well not only are you having to cope with the pressure of being amongst the favourites now and people expecting that Wrexham are just going to buy the way to success but you're, you're doing it in front of TV cameras as well so uh, yeah it's going to be fascinating, isn't it? I mean, it's going to be probably one of the biggest stories in the National League this season. But, you know, there's 22 other teams in there and we know that they've all got their own stories to tell as well. Well, exactly. And one Phil Parkinson who will be delighted this morning is the Alching one, won't it, Dickie? I mean, what a result that was going to last season's playoff losing finalist Torquay and winning 3-1 and, and by all accounts deserving it. It sounded very much so. Yeah, I mean, it was um, uh, that's that's a great start for Altrincham. I, I, I've seen a few predictions that that perhaps suggested that um, yeah, we spoke about Altrincham last season and they had that real purple patch, but either side of that, it, it wasn't great. And you know, they, they probably ended the season reasonably, you know, where we would have expected them to. But it, you know, as it's going to be second season syndrome, are they going to be able to kick on? They're st- they're still not fully professional in in what is largely speaking, an almost totally professional division. So it's, you know, it's it's still going to be a big challenge for them. But that's a great start yesterday. Um, yeah, Marcus Denanga put them ahead. Connor Kirby with the second before half-time. Um, Hannigan own goal got Torquay back into it. But then, yeah, Toby Malarkey, six minutes from time, 3-1, sealed it. And yeah, uh, one very happy Phil Parkinson there. Marcus Denanga, play you know well, um, Dickie, and I know that, they feel like this is this is his moment. If he really wants a good football career, this is his time to really shine. Alderton paid money for him from Stevenage as well, and it feels like this is an important moment in his career now. It does. He's 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 kind of he was on an upward trajectory when he came to Telford. He'd been um, on loan at Matlock from Burton Albion. I think scored thirty five goals in a season for Matlock. Came to Telford. I think he scored another twenty for Telford that season. Um, went to Hartlepool. And, and, and it was another step up in the division. So every season he was making that step up. And it didn't quite work for him at Hartlepool. He came back for, to Telford, 
had trouble displacing the, the partnership of Daniel Ludow and, and, and Marie Morgan-Smith, and, it, and it, it kind of stalled for him, really. Went to Stevenage, but was almost immediately loaned out to Chesterfield. Didn't get many opportunities here. So, yeah, th- this is a big moment. It will help him considerably if Phil Parkinson says to him, you're my man, you're, you're my number nine, you're going to be in there and you're going to start. Because I think from knowing Marcus Denanger as I do, he needs a manager to feel, um, to have that confidence in him. And he, he will repay that with goals if, the, if, if you give him that chance. Yeah, I think on the highlights, I said it was Jake Moult who scored the own goal. Whoever it was, it was a contender for the, uh, you know, the bloopers DVD because he, he, <laughs> he kind of blasted it into his own net, didn't he, really? It was a, a bit of a blooper net. But the other end, Toby Malarkey, there was no Malarkey from him as he wellied that into the top corner, was there? No, absolutely not. I mean, whoever it was who, did, who scored the own goal, I don't think anybody from Altering will be clamouring to claim that one. But, you know, it's the three that the other end they'll be, they'll be talking about, and rightly so. Yeah, on the other hand, Torquay... Not the start you would have expected from them, as you said, you know, losing in the fashion that they did in that playoff final, it's going to be interesting to see whether there might be any kind of a hangover from that, because I know people expect footballers to get over disappointments, but to go to 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 the, the point that they did, you know, they, they rescued that, that playoff final with that sensational headed equaliser from the goalkeeper, then lost on penalties, you know, and and people will look at them and think, well, Torquay should be there or thereabouts again. But that's a big disappointment you've got to cope with. And um, it'd be interesting to see how they bounce back. Yeah, it's interesting, Tom, isn't it? A lot of teams start slowly like that. And I know I think I mentioned it in, my, in the show last week that... Um, I think it was Torquay's moment to go up last year. You know, it was either that, whoever didn't go up out of them, I certainly thought maybe wouldn't do as well this year. And, and Gary Johns has had to make quite a few changes as well. So they could well recover, but I don't know. Do you think they could push for playoffs this year? I think it's it's an interesting one because obviously the way in which the playoffs played out in terms of the time scale, what you had was basically Torquay had players who were saying, look, if we go up, I'm I'm going to sign a new contract with you. If not, I'm going to reevaluate my options. And you know they lost three really really important players, players that you know they kind of would have kept if they'd gone into League Two. You know it it is that thing of Gary Johnson's kind of having to do this rebuild in a much shorter space of time than let's take teams who you know kind of in January were like right we're not going to go up, we can't go down, we've got time to evaluate who we want. Well. With Torquay, they kind of had to kind of go right. Well, we're going to aim, you know, we're going to plan that we are going to be a League Two team. Hopefully, we are. If not, you're having to kind of have a look at what options are out there. And I think Gary Johnson, if he can get this team into the playoffs, I think this will be one of his best achievements because, you know, they've lost a lot of really good talent while also the players that they have kept on. Obviously, Sticky was saying kind of. You know, in the back of the mind, they've got that thing that they were that near to promotion and it just didn't happen last season. Yeah, and you've got to go again. And it's, it's kind of, I suppose, mentally getting yourself up for it, thinking we've got another 42 games now to try and get out of this division. Yeah, you know, and I think I think that's the thing is, it's kind of to be so near for that, you know. I mean, if you, you know, you write the script, don't you, that the goalkeeper scores the header, it goes to penalties, the keeper makes some saves, you know. It just—it all felt like Torquay are going to be a League Two football club. That didn't happen, and you know there must be players who are just thinking we were—you know—we were two kicks of the ball away from being a League Two football club. 
now we've got to play for another 10 months to see if we can do it again. Talking with a couple of promotion or playoff contenders that were there last year, of course, Stockport County, another big favourites this year from, from a lot of people and also Chestfield. We've gotten to Chestfield in a minute, but Stockport County opened up with a 3-1 home defeat against Dagenham and Redbridge just after taking the lead through John Rooney and Simon Rush sort of said he was a... Uh, he was a bit. He was a bit shocked by it, but he said they didn't play well enough, and he got punished. And Dagenham are a lot of people's dark horses this year as well, aren't they? Well, they've certainly sent their stall out there, haven't they? With a, a fantastic win at, at County on the first day of the season, it, it certainly, in terms of unexpected results, it's absolutely one of the unexpected results of the day. But it, it's. Um, that, that same situation that Stockport faced for, for some of last season, they're going to have for the whole of this season as well, is they are, you know, uh, I can't, I think they're either, they're either favourites or second favourites to win promotion. There's a vast amount of investment gone in there, you know, with it, signing the likes of Scott Quigley in the summer to add to the kind of, um, you know, players that they already have there. But it brings with it an expectation and it brings with it pressure and, 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 that's they will hope that the money that they've spent has brought in players who were able to cope with that pressure. Um, but for a side like Dagenham and Redbridge, it's absolutely nothing to lose when you go there on the opening day of the season. You're all, you know, set up to be the, the fall guys and you end up being um, the pantomime villains by winning 3-1. Yeah, and Chris Pratt <laughs> caught up with the Dagenham and Redbridge manager, Darren McMahon, after the game. They couldn't wish for a better start to the season, really. Apart from going 1-0 down, everything else was almost perfect. No, yeah, we played Stockport, I don't know, three or four games before the end of last season, and the game probably took a very similar pattern, that we went one down and didn't start very well, and then we grew into the game, and then I thought we we, we dominated after that, really. Um, last season, we didn't manage to get the goals to win the game we drew, but I thought today we were, we were terrific and clinical. And after the first 15 minutes, I think Paul McCallum had one um, tip round the post, and that seemed to be the catalyst for a lot more possession and a, a lot more measured uh, measured play. Definitely, yeah. We've, we're a team that have anyone seen and seen us in the last six months that do like to have possession in the ball. We know that's not always going to be easy, especially when you come to a, a club like this and some of the players that Stockport have got are terrific. We just asked the players to be brave and, and trust trust each other and trust themselves, and it was a good performance. What happened with Angelo? He obviously pulled up with a muscle injury and then... Uh... I thought he collapsed the way he went down. Um, so I was really worried about him for that kind of split second. I think everyone was. I think even uh, the stuff I've been to, Simon was. Um, so yeah, I've had a rush of blood really. <laughs> and uh, went onto the pitch, I probably shouldn't have apologised to everyone, but I did genuinely think he was in real trouble. Is that the first booking you've had for a while? Yeah, I, I was known for a few bookings, but yeah, first one as a manager. <laughs> Now, after the start of the season, um, you've had a you've had a good build up. What are your, what are your aims and expectations? Finish as high as we can. I think um, the club's been in a relegation battle for two or three years. Um, last season, we had a really really strong finish. We think we've recruited well in the last eight to ten months. We feel like we've got a hungry athletic group, and um, we've lots to prove. And including myself in that as well as a young manager. And I think um, we want to finish as high as we can. No, I spoke with Darren McMahon after a game at Oldsham last year and he was kind of almost, he didn't write off the season, but he kind of said, look, it's a process. We're, we're getting this squad together and they're going to kind of maybe give it a tilt this season. And I know on the uh, the National League highlight show, both Aaron McLean and Adam Virgo have picked Dagen Rebridge as one to watch. Uh, I mean, it, again, we talked about statement results earlier, Tom. That is a statement result. Going to Stockport, playing with no fear, scoring three goals and getting the three points. Yeah, and I think it's interesting just how... You know, when you look at odds and everything, kind of how Dagenham have kind of been written off by some, you know, before the season and even began. And 
you know, I think with McMahon, what he's been able to do, I said earlier about Torquay and kind of not having any time to think of a process because of what happened with Dagenham. They've had that time. They've had that opportunity to say, right, you know, we next season going into this one, we are going to be able to get this player in. We're going to be able to get that player in. We're able to basically be able to give this a real good go. And, you know, they've got a manager who's got the ability to do that. They've got a squad full of players. They've been able to sign some experience as well. So, you know, I do think Dagenham rightly are being seen as kind of one of those dark horses because kind of everything's in place for them to give it a really good go. Yeah, and Joel Belanta went off injured. That could be a blow for them. But for Stockport Dickies, we say not the start they'd wanted. Scott Quigley didn't play. He's a, he's a big high-profile signing that they brought in. Of course, they brought in William Fish, who's been a successful part of Manchester United's FA Youth Cup team over the last few years. So there's big, big expectations there. And maybe that that weighed, weighed down on them a little bit, a bit like it did in the playoff semi last year. It may have done quite possibly, I suppose, from their point of view, if they're, if they're going to have a poor result, you know, get it out of the way on the first day of the season and then look to rebound from that. Um, but they'll have wanted a positive start. You know, absolutely everybody goes into the opening day of the season eager to get their first three points on the board and, and get themselves off to that positive start. What Simon Rusko's got to hope is that the county can bounce back from that quickly because with that level of expectation and with that level of, of, of spending that's been around Stockport, I would suggest it would only take a few more um, unexpected results in the first few matches of the season to, to to really turn the heat up there. Yeah, let's look at Chesterfield now. Both Adams, Virgo and Somerton have, have predicted Chesterfield to be champions and they took on all the shots. It was a 2-0 win in the end. Danny Rowe scored a penalty and the new signing, Kabongo Shamanga, got off the mark. Now, Rob, I know he said, uh, that Aldershot competed really well, gave Chesterfield a lot of problems throughout the game, but it's a useful Aldershot side at the minute. And Chesterfield's experience in Naus uh, and such a good squad in the end just saw them through. But, uh, Tom, what are your feelings on Chesterfield this year? Yeah, I think they're going to be up there. They have to be, you know. The, the signing of Shimanga, when I was told of a, a couple of clubs that were interested in him and I was basically under the impression that he was going to be joining a League One team and kind of the day before that, I think it was the Monday night, a fee had been agreed and it was kind of all smoke and mirrors. It was like, yeah, Boreham would have agreed a fee with an unnamed club. And, you know, I was fully expecting him to be an EFL player. And when Chesterfield put that teaser tweet out saying, oh, this one's going to be a good one, it was like, it won't be Shimanga, would it? And, <laughs> you know, when, when they announced that, I mean, he's... He's an incredible striker. You know, at the level, every year he delivers. And I think for them to get him in, when you've got Danny Rowe, who is, you know, a two-time National League player of the season, you've got Asante returning from an injury. He'll he'll be a couple of months away. But once he's back there, I mean, that front three is frightening, really. You know, as the amount of talent in that group. And, you know, I think what, da- what Danny Rowe's been able to do is when he got the Gloucester job and it it was going so well, he was able to really evaluate when Chesterfield came in, right, what are your plans then? You know, this new ownership, where where are you going? Where are we going to be heading? And obviously they said the right things to him. And, you know, in terms of the amount of talent that they've been able to get in last season and into this season as well, I mean, they have to be up there this season. They have to be because 
Schumanger and Rowe as a front two, I, I think that's the best front two you're going to get in the league because they're both absolute quality strikers. They That's 50 goals a season right there, in my opinion. I know you meant James Rowe. You said Danny Rowe. There's just too many Rowe's at the minute, isn't there? I mean, they'll be signing James Rowe, who was at Aldershot last year. Can you imagine that? And then there's three Rowe's at Chesterfield. That'd just like mess everybody's head up, wouldn't it? But uh, talking off James Rowe, Rob caught up with him after the game. Ultimately, James, I think a result that, let's just say, I might have predicted today, uh, Chesterfield, to, to you know, w- with a strong squad that you've got, to maybe uh, get the points off of a, uh, a young and relatively inexperienced Aldershot Town team. But perhaps the game didn't play how, how I thought. Um, did it go to plan for you? Um, and how do you feel about the, you know, the overall performance as well as the result? Four. That's some question. It's about three, I think. <laughs> uh, did it, it played out exactly how we wanted in terms of we knew that there'd be a lot of emotion because the crowd have come back in, obviously, home and away. And the home side, is, it's on them to have the impetus at the start. And despite a little bit of impetus and a little bit of territory and quite a lot of set plays, we didn't, they didn't have a shot on our goal. And that was important. We defended the 18-yard box really well. We needed to be better with the ball made some incorrect decisions but as the half grew on that certainly in the last 10 minutes we had two chances um, perhaps we would score on another day and then we knew as we spun around we knew what was going to happen and we opened up the pitch lovely really pleased with how we got in 1v1 situations got down the sides in different ways um, subs contributing in different ways as well Jack Clark with his technical ability George Carlin with his physical ability and Seydou Khan with his energy so all of those three played their part as well so all in all um, a really good away performance. Absolutely, clean sheet, three points. Uh, what's not to love about that, James? But um, with the improvements to your squad that you've made, and I've talked about it on the podcast of the wheeling and dealing the players you've got in and moved them on when you found someone better, and fair play to you for doing that because it's about winning, it's about getting your team to wherever you can, as high as you possibly can. When it comes down to picking that first 11 on the first day, though, one or two big egos likely to get a bit bruised and I guess it's the importance of the overall squad and, and the players' mentality within that squad that's going to count over the course of the season. Yeah, I don't think, you know, if you're looking at the top seven in this division again, or top eight or top 12, I don't think our squad's any bigger than theirs. So it's normal. The seven subs got um, rejected and thrown out, which I've given my opinion on. I think it's we're still in the dark ages if we've got five subs. Mm. Um, also, it's an entertainment business, so if your goalie gets injured and obviously you're, you're sacrificing a goalie on the bench, which some managers will, um, it doesn't half play a part in what you've just paid for your ticket to watch a game. Um, we've got to remember that. Um, and also, coming players returning from COVID, they need some match play in, in different ways as well. So, I'm shocked by the by that not going through but having said that of course you're going to make difficult decisions as a manager um, but as long as you're honest with the players and the training's right at a good tempo they'll they'll play their part and like I did last year people come right out the stands into the starting 11 they skip the bench and the players are aware of that I know you've got a lot of friends back here at Aldershot and uh, they'll be hurting from the defeat today but uh, from some of the youngsters in their side today did you see a, a little bit of promise for them going forward through the season? Yeah look, I'm going to give um, the supporters credit because I could hear them all game as usual it was vibrant in here and I hope they enjoyed the game obviously they're not going to enjoy the result but um, yeah it was it was, um, you know it's not such a great feeling when you win when you go against your old club however still some big clubs in this division that hasn't changed when I was here as the assistant manager and we had the same uphill battle and the same mountains to climb to succeed um, and we can't keep or 
the club because I'm in a position to comment because I was here as the assistant manager. Yeah. I can't keep making excuses for other clubs spending money. Energy needs to be focused on your, what you're doing yourselves. And at the moment, um, since I've departed, um, it hasn't gone to plan, has it? So I hope the fortunes change. What did I see today? Um, some promise for sure. Some really good players, young players. Um, and you know as well as me, Rob, that you have different challenges in this division. It's a long division and you need to grind it out and um, hopefully you can finish higher than what you have done the last two seasons. And forgive me for not knowing this, but obviously there's no midweek games. Who do you play next Saturday? Is it your first home game? Yeah, first home game. We've got Willstone at home and then Kings in away. So two different types of challenges again. Um, we welcome our supporters back, which is nice. Um, like I said, I hope the supporters enjoyed being back in the stadium because first and foremost, that's bigger than any result is the togetherness in the community and it was really good to see the community back in the stadium. Final thing I just I meant to ask you earlier. I've seen one of those great battles in football today from minute one between Jeff King on one wing back on one side and Lewis Kinsella. And interestingly, Kinsella won a lot of fouls. King got an early booking and it wasn't quite going King's way, but he stayed in the game. And who got a foul for the penalty? <laughs> yeah, um, it was a good battle, wasn't it? Um, I just said how well Lewis played to him. He did. He done really well, and he's he's a good leader and a really good human being. So couldn't wish for a better leader. And it was a ding dong battle, and it swung both ways. So two teams who were had made good starts to the season, maybe faded towards the end. And I know Halifax missed out on the playoffs towards the end of the season. Last couple of games, Maidenhead they finished mid table. Those two met at the Shea and. Again, Halifax have lost a couple of important players, haven't they, over over the summer, Tom? And um, they got off to a decent start yesterday, but ultimately didn't win the game. And it was a home farm that cost them last year. And Halifax fans are going to be fearful that the same could happen again. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting one for Halifax because, again, you know, Pete Wild's job has been get these players in, develop them, sell them on for you know a, de- a decent profit, and. That seems to be the process that Halifax are going down again. They had a lot of trialists during pre-season, some that they've been able to sign. And, you know, for me, when you're a couple of days before the season starting and you're getting four or five deals done, it shows you kind of where you are as a club. Because, you know, I think for Pete Wilde, again, if they can be challenging anywhere near the playoffs, he's done an incredible job. Because, again, it's, it's that thing of, you know, he's been able to get these players in. He gives them game time, he helps them develop, but he knows that every player at FC Halifax Town has got a price. And, you know, I think David Busenworth has, has made that, you know, abundantly clear with what's happened with COVID and kind of, you know, how strict they will be with finances, that kind of that's the way it's going to be. So I think for Halifax this season, you know, mid-table would be a, a decent campaign, really. You know, looking at Maidenhead. Kind of one one of these teams where they've got a, a manager, you know, he's he's been there and done it, hasn't he? You know, he's got so much experience, and that they always, to me, seem to be that team that people who kind of don't know the league go, oh well, yeah, a team like Maidenhead will really struggle, but they always get results, and you know, he's he's very shrewd in the market. They always seem to get one or two players that go completely under the radar, and then the following season, you know, move on to a a bigger club or a football league club. So. I think all in all, a good start for Maidenhead. Yeah, it's important he gets keeps Sam Barrett fit this year and firing. He had a good start to the season last year, Sam Barrett, before fading. And he got off the mark on Saturday. Wheelstone against Woking. Woking's 
First game in a while as a full-time club. They came away with a 2-1 win at Wheels, at Wheelstone and uh, Mats Kretschmar certainly got the first one. There's some debate over the second one whether it's an own goal and then um, Josh Umerich got a goal back for Wheelstone. Uh, Dickie, are we seeing Woking? I know um, Tom's kind of predicted Woking to be dark horses this year. Um, they could well be under Alan Dowson. Could they? they could be that team that kind of adjust under the radar a little bit. Yeah, it's quite possible. Um, I mean, uh, they've, they've made this switch to full-time, um, I believe, and, and that, that's going to help hugely. I mean, they they had a... Was it last season? They had a terrific start. They, they kind of... The season before, I can't remember. But, you know, giving Alan Dowson the opportunity to work with the players more regularly, it, it's it's going to help, isn't it? You know, they, they, they're, they're going to uh, be able to compete on a more level playing field with the, with the other teams in that division. And then, um, yeah, the... the, the in the in the same way, you know, you, with Dagenham and Redbridge, and you know, they're not a scene that you would you would write off. There was a lot of doubts over at Southend at the start of the season, but they got off to a winning start away at Kingsland. Indeed, they scored the first goal of the National League season through Sam Dalby, who was on loan at Stockport County last season. Reese Murphy missed a couple of good chances as well, and Kingsland lost Gina Marais, who signed from during the summer. He was sent off on his debut for kicking out at an opponent. So a good start for Southend. We'll focus more on them next week because they take on Stockport County in a live game on BT Sport. And uh, Boreham Wood, following that loss of uh, Chamanga, people are maybe a bit fearful of them. I know Danny Hunter released a statement this week saying they've only sold 300 season tickets. He was a bit disappointed with that. But they, they got off to a perfect start at Weymouth. Kane Smith scored an absolute beauty, belted it in from a good 30 yards out for Tyrone Marsh. He could fill the gap this year for Shamanga And Bournemouth are always a, one of those teams, aren't they, um, Tom, where Luke Garrard's such a good manager. They, they get money in for players, but then they, they really spend it well. They only have like a smallish squad, but they have a quality squad. Yeah, and I think, you know, the work that Garrard does every year, he, you know, he deserves so much credit for it because to lose a player like Shamanga. You know, I think most teams you'd be you would be really fearful for them, but they've got Marsh who kind of can fill, you know, fits a lot of the attributes that Shimanga has. And it is that thing of I think he'll he will try and make him the focal point. I think, you know, Danny Hunt is very forward in terms of, you know, he's very open with his communication and he has kind of expressed these concerns regarding, you know, their season ticket sales and kind of what's what's going on, but I think Boreham Wood will be fine. It's it's just a case of if they need to strengthen, will they have the resources to do so? That could be the thing. And as for Weymouth, you know they've kind of done this thing where they they've gone from the hybrid, they've they've moved on, and they're they're trying to you know progress as a club. Obviously, you know last week in that well publicised game against Chelsea, I know it was a heavy defeat for them, but you know I think Brian Stock afterwards was kind of saying, well look, you know. We've kind of been able to play a team like that. We're able to, you know, get loans that they got last season. So, you know, for Weymouth, their aim has to be kind of stability. If they can stabilise this season with the changes that they've made behind the scenes, that'd be a good one for them. Yeah, it's a really good point, that Tom. Like you say, building bigger pitches. I mean, if you can get in players on loan from Chelsea down to the National League, they're not onto a bad thing there, are they? No, and I think, you know, last season they got a, a lad from Aston Villa in who, did you know a really good job before he got injured? And I think, I think that's the thing is that you know, kind of as a more wider point, more Premier League teams are looking at the National League now, kind of as an option for men. You know, get these 
young players who have a lot of talent get them men's football because there's a few players where kind of they go under 23, they're, you know, absolutely fantastic. And then they kind of are thrown in at the deep end, play men's football at a high level. And for whatever reason, it doesn't work. And it's how they come back from that. So I think, you know, the Premier League in general is kind of now looking at the National League, maybe a little bit more favourably in terms of those loans. We're going to look at the National League North next. Brilliant. I've finally quit. I can keep up with my kids now. I feel like I've got my life back. It's an amazing feeling when you stop smoking and you can experience it for yourself. Our range of free support can help you quit for good. From our app to emails, face-to-face support and online communities. Search Smoke Free. Better health. Let's do this. And in the National League North, it's been the perfect start for Kidderminster. Two wins out of two. They had a comprehensive 3-0 win over Blyde Spartans following up their win last week against York. And again, Kidderminster have been full-time for years. They've always really flattered to deceive, haven't they, a little bit. But... They've not really been mentioned as much, have they, this season? I don't think, guys, have they? And, and they've kind of just quietly gone about the business in pre-season. And Russ Penn's a very calm influence as well. And and that that's showing in the start, hasn't it? They've not they've not gone unnoticed as far as, as I'm concerned. I mean, I, I think at the point that the National League season came to a close last season, Kidderminster were on a really, really strong run of form. Um, but Russ Penn's kept the majority of that side together and, and has added uh, a few other players to it as well and I, and I do think Kidderminster will be certainly back in playoff contention this year that's that's how it feels to me um, started with a great 2-1 minute York last weekend and consolidated it with a, a 3-0 take them until the second half to break Blythe down but they did eventually Ethan Fremantle with one of the goals uh, Ashley Hemmings uh, was uh, amongst the other scorers as well and Sam Austin I think that was his second goal of the season as well so yeah Kidderminster going along very nicely They've kept a lot of that squad as well, Tom, haven't they, from last season? Yeah, and I think that's kind of the key thing here is, you know, they've they've had kind of a couple of years where there's been a lot of changes behind the scenes, you know, with managers and then with the players. So Russell Penn, kind of one of these people that when he was a player, you could tell that he'd become a manager one day, just the way that he, you know, kind of had that authority about him and, I think they've been quite shrewd in the market as well. They've not been signing, you know, players going, look at this player, he's fantastic, he's going to do everything. But what they've been doing is getting players in who kind of know the National League North and know how to get out of this division as a champion or by the playoffs. So I think for Kidderminster, you know, perfect start for them. Two really good wins, you know, especially beating York. But then kind of those expectation levels rise slightly. You play Blythe, it's a potential banana skin and they're able to win the way they did. So I think for them a great start. Yeah, filed another team. Filed Spennymore and Brackley are all the other three teams have won two out of two. Uh, Filed beat Boston and Boston United manager Craig Elliott said he was a lot happier than last week from their defeat to Spennymore, though he has bemoaned injuries. Um, So Filed are up there as you'd expect. You saw them last week, Tom, didn't you? And he followed that up with a good win against Boston. Yeah, I mean... You know, they are going to be up there. If they're not in the top three at the end of the season, something really has gone wrong because the amount of quality that they've got in that squad, they've then, you know, yesterday they announced two new signings. And and I think a lot of Fylde fans, you know, and Fylde's owner are kind of taking this, the 2022 thing that obviously has been subject to ridicule for some people with what had happened with that. 
I think they've been able to kind of use that maybe just a little bit, you know, to say, right, you know, there's certain people out there who are laughing at us. Now let's, you know, just try and get out of this league as quickly as possible as champions. And the way that they've been able to recruit and also the way that they've started this season with a fantastic, you know, they were dominant against Geisley and then a really, really good win against Boston United. I think, you know, all in all, it has been a perfect start for them. And Dickie, I know a lot of us tipped Boston to do well this year and mm-hmm. they've lost the first two, but they have had a tough start, haven't they? Spenny Moore and Fylde. It is a very difficult start. Um, uh, it's not going to get any easier for Boston either, is it? You know, they've, they've got to try and bounce back from that. Um, there's expectation with Boston as well. I mean, my thought before the start of the season is is those, the three favourites for promotion, Fylde, York and Boston. If you finish ahead of those three, to me, you're champions because they, they, they are a, a very likely top three. So I do think Boston will recover from that one. I think what can concerns me a bit about Boston still is is the, the 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 firepower in the side is the goal scoring they've added Danny Elliott who did very well on loan at Alfreton from Chester but wasn't prolific at Chester Jordan Burrow again I don't think is a prolific goal scorer so it is one area where I think they might be um a little bit light it's funny we mentioned Kabongo Shimanga in in reviewing the uh, the, the, the the National League. I remember him being a Boston player and not setting the world alight there at all. And then, you know, look at what he's gone on and done. So that, that there might be, it, it's one of those where you kind of wish you might have held on to him, but he, would he have developed if he'd stayed there? We don't know. Although it was a defeat for Boston, I saw one or two of their fans remarking it was a, an improvement on the last time the two sides met uh, at Mill Farm, which was uh, about four seasons ago and, and ended in filed nine Boston two. So um, it's, it's some improvement on that result at least. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure if you're Craig Elliott, you could say that as a crumb of comfort, <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah, I'll go. I'll go and see the chairman and say it's better than last time we came here. I'm sure that's not going to wash for too long. But no, I do think Boston will 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 rebound. They they look very strong in defence and in midfield. Maybe a little bit of a question mark over in the goalkeeping department, and I think they're a little bit light up front as well. And talking of uh, ex-Boston players, Brad Abbott, he scored two for Spennymore yesterday as they got a hard-fought victory over Southport in the end. And Spennymore, again, are a team will be there or thereabouts, won't they? I think so, yeah. I, I think Spennymore, the, the, the lack of turnover of players at Spennymore, I think, from season to season is, is one of the things for me. They retain a core group of players um, and, and quality players as well. I mean... Goodness knows, every time we talk on this podcast to talk about Glenn Taylor, he wasn't on target yesterday, but two goals from, from Brad Abbott and then, you know, Rob Ramshaw with the winner 10 minutes from time. They've got a, a, an awful lot of quality in that team. There's there's good investment going in. There's lots of stuff that's going on um, away from the pitch at Spennymore as well. And they're a real kind of community asset and, and community team and and yeah once again I've tipped them to be a playoff side and, and I genuinely think they will be the team are currently propping up the division rather surprisingly again a lot of people's tips this year are York they lost to Kidderminster last week as we mentioned and then got absolutely smacked 4-0 at Gloucester and I know Gloucester probably were probably be playoff contenders again this year but I don't think many people saw that result coming I know Steve Watson called it his worst result in his managerial career. Gang York, Tom, it's just, they're a bit of a conundrum, aren't they? Yeah, it was a capitulation as well, wasn't it? It was, 
you know, it really was a horrendous performance and result for them. And, you know, that's not taking anything away from Gloucester because, you know, for Gloucester, what a fantastic day. It was a 4-0 win, their biggest attendance in Gloucester in nearly 25 years. I mean, it was a perfect day for them. And I think Gloucester are one of these teams that people forget just how well they were doing last season when the campaign ended. You know, they've got a manager in Paul Groves who kind of has been able to utilise the market quite well. And, you know, I think Gloucester, again, they will be one of them teams. If they can, especially if they can keep that attendance as going. And, you know, I know that there were some people there yesterday kind of on social media afterwards were saying, I've never been to see Gloucester. Wow, if they play like that, you know, I'll be I'll be coming back, which can only be good for the team. But I think for York, the, the only defence you can have for them is, and this is something that the reason why I don't think they'll win the league is because of their defence. They've not they've got the quality, but they haven't got the quantity. And immediately, you know, a, a week into the season, that's kind of shone through with three or four injuries all in defence. And it's it's really affected them so far. Yeah, you just look at the Gloucester team. Dickie as well, there's some real quality. You look at some of the goal scorers, Fabian Robert, Kevin Dawson, Matt McClure. So even though they did lose some players and James Rowe when they've kept that spine, haven't they? And they've kept that experience. Yeah, they have. I know they, they sort of supplemented the side with a, a few loans um, last season um, when they lost some of their players. Um, obviously not di- directly to Chesterfield, but we know where some of them ended up. Um Really big day for Gloucester yesterday. Their first home game back at, at, at in the city since 2007. Over 2,000 fans there. So York were set up to be the fall guys yesterday. I, I don't think I would have predicted a 4-0 margin, certainly. But you, you might have thought that, that, that Gloucester might get the victory. But, um, yeah, I think Gloucester will be strong again. And um, nobody's going to fancy going there particularly, I wouldn't have thought. And, and you would just think... Uh, an atmosphere like that would have been created yesterday will bring a lot of those 2,000 fans who were there yesterday. Some of them may be the first time ever. They'll go back. The other team who are in the playoff positions at the minute and are unbeaten are Brackley Town and Matt Lowe got the winning goal. And again, Tom, they're another team who'll be there or thereabouts, won't they? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's that that thing afterwards, kind of, you know, you'll take a 1-0, won't you? And they've done that now twice, I think. I think the thing for them is they lost a couple of players. They normally had been able to just keep the, the group every season. And, you know, there were questions about what would happen because, you know, lost burn and, and players like that. But fantastic start to the season. And I think that's the thing for them is they've got a manager who knows the way he wants his teams to play. He's been able to replace those players. That isn't, you know, something maybe question marks, would he be able to replace them? But so far, so good. Yeah, Dickie, I mean, I spoke with Tom last week in our little North review that we did and said, I think Alton might struggle this year. I know you've got Billy Heath as an experienced manager, but you look at some of the teams there with some of the budgets and some of the managers in the National League North and it could be a struggle, couldn't it? it it's, it's possible, yeah. I mean, I thought with this, with adding like Matt Reed and, and Dale Southwell that they've they've got goals in them there and they've they've also got particularly in Reed, a player that other teams won't enjoy playing against. So, you know, in some ways, it's fitting very much that that style that a Billy Heath side has of just being really awkward and, and, and not nice to play against. But, you know, is that going to be enough to, to, to just be unpleasant to play against? You know, if, if teams 
managed to to, to work Alfreton out, then then what else have they got? So um, yeah, not not the greatest of starts for them, but um, yeah, Brackley that two one nil away wins. Um, at places which aren't great to go, you know, if it was later on in the season and, and Brackley were churning out one nil away wins like that, you'd be, you know, we we would be talking about them as as playoff contenders, and and I think they will be once again. You know, they, they have added a, some some younger players in this time. I think they brought in a, a some Louis Lomas, who was at Norwich City under twenty threes. Um, another one of the players they added in yesterday he scored their winner last week, Twarik Yusuf, but he got dismissed yesterday for kicking the ball away, which I think was the second yellow card. So they're going to miss him from a couple of games. But yeah, Kevin Wilkin knows his division like the back of his hand. Um, largely speaking, knows what he's got at his disposal as well. Um, and I, yeah, you would I, I, Brackley be a top half team as a minimum, and I think they'll be around the playoffs again. Yeah, we'll look at three other teams who we expect to be in and around the playoffs. Uh, we'll start off with Gateshead. They won 3-1 against Kettering. A good win for them at the International Stadium. And they got the job done within half an hour, didn't they? Yeah, um, it was it was one of those, really. You know, about a half an hour in, I genuinely thought this could be a really heavy score because Gateshead were dominating Kettering and kind of, I think they got the third goal and kind of just took the foot off the gas a little bit. But what I will say is they've got a striker in Scott who there's been a lot said about him, a lot of expectations about, you know, him in this league. And, you know, so far it's been a fantastic start for him. I think for Kettering, they're kind of one of those teams, you know, Paul Cox has kind of said that they really do need to try and stabilise this season and, you know, then try and push on. But have they got enough to stabilise? I think has to be the question because, you know, I know they last week got a good result, but, you know, there's a certain style of play that Paul Cox wants his teams to play and it's whether or not that will be enough come the end of the season for them to, to, to do enough to actually stay in the division. Yeah, it's similar to Alverton, isn't it, Dickie? A certain style of playing, and old Paul Cox says he doesn't just want to make up the numbers this year, but it will be tough for them, won't it? Yeah, I think it will. I mean, I, it's it's one of those things that it... I think budgetary-wise, um, Paul Cox has, has had to leave it to confirming some of these signings until quite late in the day. So Kettering, I think even in the week before the season started, was still confirming players... Uh, there and then, which isn't ideal, but you know that that's the situation that he's in, and that's what he's got to work with. Um, Latimer Park's not a great place to go; it's not a great surface, so uh, opposing teams won't enjoy it there, particularly when when um, you know the weather starts to turn a bit. Um, and maybe they'll, you know, grind out enough points there. I think to to keep them out of the relegation zone, but I would think it's a it's a it's a lower half of the table for Kettering, um, certainly, as far as I can see. Um, Gateshead, on the other hand, you know, we forget that they are one of the full-time teams in this division, or I, still, I believe they still are anyway. And I think they, they, they've taken Adam Campbell from Darlington, who was one of Darlington's standout players. So um, yeah, they're a side you'd write off at your peril. And again, it's just such a long journey up to Gateshead. Um, in a big open stadium with a running track round it, you know, it, it's not one that away teams particularly enjoy, I wouldn't have thought. Um, and Gateshead will use that to their advantage. Yeah, Chester are off the mark for this season, both in games and points-wise. And we, 
like to wish Anthony Johnson well as well. He's been in hospital, had a really terrible time with COVID. Thankfully, he seems to be on the mend and back in the dugout. And he'd, he'd have been pleased yesterday with the comeback. They were 2-0 down to Farsley, but two George Waring goals rescued him a point in the end, Tom. Yeah, and a really good attitude by them to be kind of, you know, I think Farsley are going to be one of these teams that a bit of an underdog, really, you know, because they've been able to sign some good players. But I think for Chester, that thing of going 2-0 down first game, you know, maybe not as up to speed as other teams, obviously, in not having that competitive match so far. You know, they've got a fantastic squad and, you know, George Waring, a, a striker who, you know, I think I think it's going to be a big season for him, him and Anthony Dudley, two strikers. You know, that, that partnership that I felt you could see last season really started to click and, if they can get that going again, you know, Chester, as always, I think, you know, they're always a team in the National League North where you think they are going to be one of those top seven sides come the end of it. So, you know, a, you know, I think a really good result for them at the end of it in terms of the circumstance to be two goals down away at Farsley, which is always a tough place to go to and to get something must to please them. Yeah, and Charlie, they're, they're down in the bottom two along with York. And we saw it last season, they had a really slow start, but they had that amazing FA Cup run as well on top of that, which maybe distracted them a little bit from the league. But they lost 3-0 at Telford, Dickey. Yeah, they did. And they did it against 10 men as well. Um, Telford had Jason Oswell dismissed um, by the time we'd reached the 36th minute for, for collecting two bookings within a space of six minutes. So at that point, you know, Chorley must have fancied that they were going to rebound from their 1-0 defeat to Brackley last week, but it didn't turn out that way. It was it was a pretty tight affair until the hour mark. Theo Street um, finished uh, from a corner on the hour. Uh, Elliot Durrell then smashed in a fantastic 25-yard shot for the second goal, 71 minutes, just at the point that surely looked like they were coming back into it as well. And I think that pretty much broke them. They had Andy Priest sent to the stands in the last few minutes for questioning the uh, amount of time that got added on. He felt there should have been more um, for him, well, in the time that was added on in the end, Telford added their third goal. So, yeah, it was a pretty bad day at the office for Chorley yesterday. They've not got Harry Cardwell yet. Connor Hall was only fit enough to come off the bench with 15 minutes left. So I I don't think it was a true representation of of Chorley necessarily. But, um, yeah, not not the best of starts for them. Funnily enough, last season, you mentioned that FA Cup run. Their league form really took off when the FA Cup kicked in up to the point that they um I think they had their the win was it they won at Peterborough 2-1 mm. uh, up until the point that they had that win I have a feeling they'd only won maybe one league game up to that point and then as soon as that happened Chorley's it, they became like a snowball rolling downhill they they just became they, they looked like they were going to be potentially unstoppable and and the season ended just at the point where they were on the fringe of the playoffs they wanted to carry on because clearly they felt they were in a good position. Um, but yeah, now they've got to pick up and they've got to start all over again. They've lost Elliot Newby to Stockport, who was a, a really, really important player for them. Kept the majority of the side, but yeah, not the start Jamie Vermiglio would have wanted. Tom, what do you make of Charlie? Do you think they were singing Adele at the end of the season? <laughs> they might be whatever. I mean, it might be that. But I think that, you know, I think for them, it's been a, a tough start in terms of yesterday. But again, a lot is going to be expected of the, the strike partnership of Cardwell and Hall. And again, you know, they've not been able to utilise them so far. So I think once they're there, 
I think there's one or two players they're looking at as well. So it could be a case of maybe one or two little changes being made. But I do think they will be up there come the end of it because, you know, the experience they've got in that back line, I think, can be quite telling as well. So I think in the end, they'll be up there. But, I mean, it is such a competitive league, isn't it? You know, there are there's so many teams that you could realistically say they will be challenging for a playoff place. I was going to mention, somebody said to me yesterday about Chorley and said they, they, they expected more from them, given that they did so well in the FA Cup last season and then presumably had FA Cup money available to spend. But it doesn't look as if Chorley have gone down the route of making huge investments in the playing squad from that. Um, certainly not immediately anyway. Um, so, yeah, it be interesting to see how they go. Yeah, the final two games in the National League North were both one-all draws. Bradford... Park having you against Hereford was 1-1. I know Josh Gowling said he was slightly disappointed with the performance, said they didn't really get to grips with the conditions or the pitch. And also Curzon Ashton won. Geisley won Curzon off the mark in terms of games as well. And Geisley off the mark in terms of points, Tom. Yeah, and I think all, all in all, it was a game where a point really was the fair result. I think Curzon edged it slightly in terms of attacking, but you know, for Geisley it was kind of one of those afterwards, Marcus Big not saying that it really was a case of just grind something out, get a result after what happened against AFC Bald and Kane Felix, whether he got the goal, I think it's a bit of a contentious one. It took a deflection, it was a bit of a scramble, but if that is his first goal and that's what the club have credited it as, that's a big moment for him. I think for Curzon, you know, they've got they've got a good squad and I think you know, Whittam's going to be really important for them because everything seemed to go through him yesterday. And, you know, they've got a player in Curran as well, someone who their manager knows very well from their time at Colne together. So I think it's it's all in all a good result for both them teams, really. As for Park Avenue, Hereford, I think Park Avenue were probably more pleased with that result. I know about half an hour before it was really torrential rain, so it was a, a tough game on that, that 3G pitch. So... Again, I think Mark Barrell have been more pleased than Josh Gowling, but all in all, two fair results. So we're going to look at the National League South. And in the National League South, you're going to have to bear with us because our expert Tom is not he's not with us this week. However, uh, a team we do know a lot about, Dickie Dartford, uh, they've got off to a fantastic start, as expected. And, and they blew South Slough away 3-0 on Saturday. Goals from Adi Aziz, Hussein and George Porter, who we're hoping to get on the podcast in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, saw them through in the end. Yeah, they did. I think Dartford are uh, second favourites for promotion when I looked sec- uh, the other day behind behind Dorking. And it was an expected win over Slough yesterday, I think. So, yeah, a, a good start for them. And no expletive-ridden interviews from... Mark White this week, if you heard last week's podcast, he was absolutely fuming and he threw in a few F-bombs and what have you, but it would have been throwing in F-bombs in celebration, I think, because they were two on down with 10 minutes left before Alfie Rutherford and James McShane got them the winner for the, uh, should we call him the uh, the mercurial Mark White, Dickie? Uh, yes, quite possibly. He's um, uh, yeah, he, he can be a, a little bit volatile, but I guess that, you know that perhaps just reflects you know, his passion for what he's doing there down at Dorking. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that that's a fine result for them yesterday. And they're certainly going to be one of the teams, if not the team to beat in National League South um, in the coming season. We'll have to Richard Burrow clearly missing Tom 
on Saturdays away at the minute enjoying a well-earned break. And funny enough, Rob mentioned about Hampton and Richmond's home form last season. And, and again, they, they lost at home, but it was to have at Waterlooville who were expected to be up there this season. And as well, it was a late winner there. It was a, a late winner from Alex Wall, the former maidenhead Luton man, who took all three points for Paul Doswell's side. But uh Disappointment for Hampton in the end, but haven't again one of the one of the favourites, aren't they, Dicky? Yeah, they are. I think I think both sides are, are, are tipped as playoff contenders. Um, a, bit, a, a little bit of a come down for Hampton after that terrific five nil away win at East Bournemouth they had last weekend. But um, uh, you know, I don't think anybody was anybody was necessarily expecting a, a similar kind of result against a team like Hampton Waterlooville. But it it will be a disappointment to them. They've not been able to build on that with even just collecting a point yesterday. But yeah, we all know about Paul Doswell. We know what a job that he did at Sutton um, uh, and haven't, uh, you know, they're able to, they've got the resources to be able to add players. I think they was it uh, taken James Roberts from Oxford City mm, from, yeah. from last season as well. You know, he was, he was uh, looked very good and, and they can just, you know, I wouldn't necessarily go say go and cherry pick, but, but haven't are an attractive team for players to go to and yeah they'll be a playoff contender I'm sure so Maidstone again a late winner for them thanks to I'm pleased to say Alfie Pavio I tipped to be the National League top scorer this season and and Hakanaret and it was funny afterwards he said that he wasn't really thinking about bringing Alfie Pavio on but there was this little voice in his head to say do you know what bring him on and he wasn't taking the credit for it but when it comes off like that it's great isn't it for a manager Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, if he hasn't claimed the credit there, he's done well not to because you know, it, as a manager, it must be difficult to resist the the temptation to say that you know, I had a, I had a feeling about him or, or yeah, I had an intuition. But yeah, when you've got a player like that that you that you can bring on um, in that situation and get a winner for you, that that that's a good sign, isn't it? And uh, yeah, I don't think anybody would be surprised if Maidstone are in our contenders again. You know, they're a, they're a National League side quite recently, and and I think they'll be um, they're clearly eager to get back up there. Um, they, they've got some difficult competition in National League South to actually achieve that, but but I don't think it'd be for the want of trying that they if they don't succeed. Yeah, the other two hundred percent record is Bath. They won one nil at Tunbridge through Cody Cook, and. Uh... It's interesting we mentioned about Eastbourne Borough last week. They lost 5-0 at home to Hampton. Well, they responded with a five-goal win of their own, 5-2 at Billericay. And it just shows what a difference a week makes, eh, Dickie? Oh, you know, they must have been... Nobody wants to lose a game 5-0 at any point of the season, but to lose 5-0 on your own ground on the first game of the season must hurt, you know, that that's going to sting. Uh, and I do imagine that, you know, the training sessions at Eastbourne Borough this week were probably the players had that very much fresh in their minds and would have been keen to go out there and, and, and just let everybody know that they're not, you know, a side that, that gets that done to them that often. Um, and yeah, terrific for them to rebound with, with, with a big win of their own. And again, it was another game that was quite tight until late on. It was only 3-2 with 10 minutes to go, but then Leon Gravata and two goals from Josh Oyinsan in the last five minutes saw them comfortably win by five goals to two in the end. Now, last week you heard our tips for the National League South and one of them, I know I tipped well in to go down and 
well, they'll be welling up this morning. I think it was a 4-1 defeat at home to Hungerford. And it just shows again that Hungerford, maybe it wasn't a flash in the pan for them last season. No, uh, you know, perhaps not. You know, we, we'd spoken about Hungerford, I think, and obviously Ian Herring, uh, a friend of the show, when he was manager down there, did miracles in keeping them up. Um, then what Hungerford did last season um, uh, took us all by surprise. It really did, you know, particularly with the change in manager. But, you know, they 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 did terrifically well. And that question of whether they're going to be able to sustain that, you know, is this something they can carry on to a new season? Well, yeah, why not? That else, the, the players at Hungerford will certainly be be feeling why not? You know, they they've got they should have every confidence that that what they did last season is you know can be just a beginning really. And a great hat trick for Seymour Mabonkwe, a great name there, and uh, a great hat trick for him, and a great start to the season as well. Really entertaining game down at Oxford City. They drew three three with Concord Rangers again. Oxford dark horses maybe for some this season, and I'm pleased to say there were six different scorers in the game as well, which is always pleasing for me in that sense. Uh, Braintree, another team who struggled over the last couple of years. I know Tom said he doesn't think they'll struggle as much this year and, and a really good win for them at Hemel Henstead. And another hat-trick this time, it's Luke Holness, who was at Walton Casuals last year. He's got off the season, got off the mark in fine fashion with that hat-trick down at Hemel. And, and Braintree, another one, Dickie, a bit like Blythe and Bradford in the north that have sort of survived due to the, the pandemic stopping the season early and it being null and void. So it's important for them this year that they, they kind of get off to a good start and aren't sort of struggling down at the bottom. Yeah, it is. You know, nobody wants to sort of be be mired there. Um, you know, 10, 12 games into the season, if you find yourself towards the bottom there, I'm not saying that, that it's set in stone that you're going to be there, but, you know, you've, you're giving yourself a lot to do. Um, Ain't Braintree were definitely one of the favourites. Um, well, they were the longest, I think they were the longest odds of the title, which essentially makes them relegation favourites. <laughs> yeah, Although yeah. I don't think I actually saw a book on relegation. Um, but yeah, that's a great win for them yesterday. You know, and, and, and um, you know, finding a player from a, a lower division who comes in and gets a hat-trick for you will, will give some, um, that, that will give the fans a lot of hope that, you know, that, that, that they've, you know, found somebody there who can, you know, what you need if you're towards the bottom of the division, is somebody can get your goals. Um, and if they found a goal scorer, then, you know, that, that's got to give them some heart that they can um, improve. There's only one going down from the National League South this season compared to the National League North. And that's because there's one less team in the National League South this season. That is it. Thank you very much for joining us, Dickie. No, you're very welcome. It's good to see you. And it's good to have you back as well. Tom, thanks for joining us. No worries at all. Speak to you soon. And don't forget to subscribe to us via all good podcasting platforms. Give us a follow on Twitter as well, at NL Full Time. And we're on Instagram, NL Full Time as well. For myself, Luke Edwards, thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you all very soon. (laughs) 